That's right. We're back. What, this, what? Is, this is Wrestling with Friends, the podcast that's our chance to catch up, discuss the events in the ring that we love, the business behind it, celebrate the good times of watching and attending wrestling events with your buddies, all while we get increasingly inebriated. And uh, yeah, we're your friends. I'm Dave here with Sean and Ethan. Not really here because they are thousands of miles away. I'm coming at you from Long Beach, Long Island, New York. And uh, I'm looking forward as I drink this drink and talk about that. I look forward to my early morning run tomorrow. Um, yeah, and with us is Sean DePasquale in Los Angeles, California. Sean, how are you doing this week? I'm also looking forward to an early morning run tomorrow, Dave, uh, now that you bring it up seemingly out of nowhere. But I'm also looking forward to a run. Uh, my week is going well. I, I'm wearing a uh, very comfortable uh, – um, uh, I, I would it's called a comfy, but I would describe it as a extra oversized blanket with armholes and a hood. Uh, Can you really like, spread that out? Yeah. So, like, it's giant. <laughs> it's you can put like three of you in there. You can put three of me. It, it goes all the way down below my knees, and like it, it if I could suck my arms up into it. And then it's got this giant hood that literally sucks your whole head in. So you could just be on the couch just chilling like, like a burrito. I'm like a lumberjack burrito. I, mean, I love it. I seriously really enjoy it. You you look like lumberjack Missy Misdemeanor Elliot to me. Like I feel like lumberjack Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. I do. Could you put that thing down, flip it, and reverse it, and it has a different color on the inside? All right. Yes. And that person was not Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. You just heard coming in, flipping it down, and reversing it. That was actually Ethan Wall, our vagabond friend. Ethan, you've been traveling the world to the best of your abilities in these crazy times. Where are we talking to you from this week? Yeah, so yesterday I was in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Now uh, I am back in Mexico City in an area called Colonial Roma, uh, specifically in an apartment that apparently has no insulation because it's freaking freezing. There's a uh, there's a, um, a, a monkey behind you. No, no, that's an ape. It's a baboon. Is that a baboon? It's a baboon. Oh. Yeah, it's a very handsome baboon. It's it's Thank very you. handsome. I would actually describe would, it as such. Yeah, it's yeah. A- For the podcast audience, not that there's a YouTube audience because we don't release any of these videos yet, but someday you'll see this. But we if you're promise. not seeing this, if you're just listening this, if you're just in the theater of the mind right now, Ethan's in like a stark sort of white apartment uh, <laughs> with a single framed photo of a very handsome baboon. Uh, with Very like a gorgeous, gorgeous blue uh, sort of like, like nose, and then this like sort of red, like big red flaring nostrils, and and this sort of like golden hued skin. Honestly, uh, but, it suits you so well, Ethan. Like, do you travel uh, with that picture? Do you yeah. travel with that? Is that something you bring with you? No, that's ridiculous. I only travel with a stuffed animal monkey, which we <laughs> talk true. about on Monday nights. For that's Dungeons true. And that's true. You only you only travel with your Dungeons and Dragons stuffed animal monkey, not a not a framed portrait of a baboon. That would right. Be that would be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ethan, I see you're wearing. Is that like a cool? Like, did you pick that up in 
Mexico City, like a Aztec type Pendleton dude type sweater that you're wearing as we're all. Uh, yeah, uh, no, it's um, literally a blanket because <laughs> <laughs> there literally is no heat in this apartment. And so I am wrapping myself in this uh, light blue baby blanket, which if you look at me and you look at the baboon, we're color coordinating right now. You really Just are. Wow. FYI. <laughs> right. really, yeah. You really are. Right. Also, you know, Ethan, it it may just be a blanket, but it does uh it does look good. You should get one of those sort of like, you know, those kinds of sweaters that are kind yeah, of that thinner you, material. You can pull that off that color. It looks real good. Yeah, you can totally pull it off. Right. Jericho has the scarf and I have the shawl. Yeah. Like this could be my thing. Well, right now you sort of look like like my mother-in-law, like with a pashmina on. <laughs> Like now, that I think about it. It's my new wrestling gimmick. <laughs> so, I mean, Dave, she's got great taste in pashminas. Dave Kushner, uh, <laughs> we skipped we skipped a week uh, yeah. because we were busy doing uh, other none stuff. Of, none of your business. Yeah, none of your business. What we were up to, but soon it will be your business. And we ask that when we do make it your business, you like, subscribe, and comment, <laughs> and share with your friends. But until then, it's none of your goddamn business. What we were doing last week. Uh, but what is your business is all of the insane wrestling shit that happened uh, in our absence. Um, Dave, where do you want to start? Because there was a bunch of cool stuff that happened this week. I mean, not this week. This whole like over. Well, it's, been a, it's yeah. been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a little while. And it's been a long time. It's been. I left you without a podcast. Step two. Step two. Step two. Step two. That is not Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. It's yeah. been one week since we did a podcast. All right, Two really, weeks. really taking. We're really taking a uh, journey through random hits of the 1990s right now. <laughs> and new I'm, I'm podcast idea, new <laughs> podcast idea. <laughs> <It's laughs> <random laughs> um, <laughs> so no, a lot been going on in wrestling, and you know what? It would take up like an episode and two two episodes to talk about all of it. But we all right, gotta, so let's not talk about any of it. No, what else is going on? Let's touch. Let's touch upon it a little bit because there's some stuff okay. that we'd be remiss not to mention. For yes. instance, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch had their baby. Mazel Tov. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy for my best friends. Did they have a boy or a girl? It's a daughter that they've named Rue. Like. Rue. Yeah, R-O-U-X, like, you know, the step in when you're cooking something fancy. Sure. And, like, yep. also our my, uh, my peer counseling teacher in eighth grade, shout out Miss Rue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? I uh, do remember Miss Rue, yeah. Yeah, so ni- it's a nice, unique name. Um, I don't know what the last name is. Like, Seth Rollins' real name is Colby Lopez, and she's Rebecca Quinn, so I don't I know. Hope it's, I hope it's Rue Rollins, to be honest. Cause that's a cool name. Yeah, I don't think Rollins. he's. I don't think he's like legally named that though. Yeah, but he could name his kid that if he wanted to, right? I don't think you could just choose your kid's last name. No, they get your family name. I don't know. Though. I don't know how it is in, in Davenport, I, Iowa. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Has, anyone, has anyone ever been to Davenport, Iowa, or Iowa in general? Okay, so no. But when I was. <laughs> planning to travel the US. I picked 12 different states and one of them was Davenport, Iowa because I wanted to go to the Black and the Brave wrestling school. Yeah, I wanted you also to go there. Yeah, so did I. 
But anyway, even though I didn't get to go there, uh, I still became best friends with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch in Whitefish, Montana. You did not. Whitefish sounds delicious. Uh, speaking of delicious, I got it. No, no, no. I got to hear more about Ethan meeting them while getting white. You heard heard this story already. We didn't talk about this on the podcast. You told this story on the podcast. Really? Yes. I suggested so, but as well. But Ethan, I don't know. He is. No, we told it. This was a story that you told on a recent podcast about. You met them in like a bar or restaurant or something, right? No, no. to you guys. No, you told it on the show. I actually think it was on the. Um, I think it was the Jimmy uh, Scanlon episode. We talked about it. Just to recap, oh, so last episode, really, not even long, long ago, the last episode. <laughs> Chronologically, so, yeah. the last episode, yes. So yeah, so just yeah. to sum it all up, recap for everyone that missed it. Yeah, Sean, recap it. Sean is, yeah. I mean, uh, Ethan has been stalking Seth Rollins for years, and he finally got a lead that he was at a coffee shop, right? And that's when you uh, you popped out of the garbage can, right? Is that how he told it? Where was it? Where was it? Um, the toilet? No, it was in a restaurant. And you were uh, hidden in the ice bucket. <laughs> I was not. Uh, I was hiding behind the bar, too scared to go up and talk to them and say hello. Uh, I'm like, I'm sitting there at the bar, and you know how like you just kind of feel somebody behind you that you kind of recognize? And I take a look, and I'm like, oh, they look like Seth Rollins. And I look over my other shoulder, and I'm like, and the guy that looks like Seth Rollins is walking in this restaurant with a woman that looks just like Becky Lynch. Like, oh, how interesting. So, was she showing? Because she was pregnant, right? She was. She was showing, and also pregnant. Uh, so you were like, you know, yeah, all the math, like, all the dots were, like, were, were like working. It up. Yeah, right. And he so was like that window of the meme where she's like looking around, and the numbers are like flying all over around that's her head. Exactly what I'm picturing. Right. I was yeah. like Charlie from uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Yes. <laughs> it was you in the bathroom of that restaurant connecting charts and being like, I'm pretty sure Becky Lynch is out there. <laughs> yeah, I think now that you mentioned it, we did talk about this. We podcast. did definitely talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cheers, boys. When, when you walked up to them, eventually, did you just say, hey, bro, CrossFit? Right? No, I didn't. Uh, That's what I would have said if I were you. Like if I said it, it wouldn't make sense. But if you – if I were you or I would just say like CrossFit, burpees. See, here's – what I think is funny is that you kind of premise this whole joke that I've been stalking Seth Rollins for the last six months, not Becky Lynch. But but that's probably more accurate. (laughs) I mean 100 percent more accurate. You know – can I just derail the show for a moment to say that this is the first episode where I actually have booze and you didn't ask me what I was drinking tonight, but I have, I'm drinking a delicious eggnog and Kahlua oh. and, and Bailey's Irish cream with crumbled up uh, gingerbread cookie on top and ice, and ice cream that Elizabeth blended and made for me. My, the lovely Miss Elizabeth, Hi, my Miss Elizabeth. 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 <laughs> Uh, Everyone's yeah. doing macho man impressions of your name now, huh? I mean, <laughs> Elizabeth! Elizabeth! Oh, yeah! This shake is so delicious, Elizabeth! Oh, yeah! So I thought you were drinking milk. <laughs> no, I'm drinking delicious booze. 
Well, I'm drinking tequila in honor of Ethan and me being out of every other liquor in my house. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm 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 in the festive um, eggnog, uh, spiked eggnog mood. So I expect to be fully inebriated in the next 15 minutes. So we all better, right, right. better power through this. Clock it, people. Clock it, people. So, <laughs> so, so, Ethan, one of your favorites of all time is the man called Sting. Um, you've been a fan of him, you know, since the WCW NWA Surfer days, well into the the Crow days, even into the TNA days. And you and I got to see him in uh, his most high-profile WWE match. We got to see him in his debut at WrestleMania against Triple H. It was one of the most fun experiences we've ever had at a wrestling uh, ever. You know, we saw it all. We saw we saw DX and NWOs, old, old broken-down butts move out. Do a couple spots, those who could. Billy Gunn's taking Billy Gunn and and and, and X Pac are taking fucking bumps like they're twenty five, um, and it was amazing. Now Sting's WWE career kind of petered out. He got speaking of Seth Rollins, he had he, he got a bad injury during a buckle bomb um, in a match with Seth Rollins and sort of. Ended in it ended his in, in ring career. Um, yeah. he could not get cleared by WWE's doctors to do any sort of match at all after that. It appears, and, and that was, was it. And you know, you know, he was on the payroll as an ambassador, um, you know, for a while under one of those legends contracts. But they released yeah. him, uh, you know, uh, presumably, you know, amongst these other budget yeah. cuts during COVID, and. He showed up on AEW. He made his AEW Dynamite um, debut two weeks ago. All decked out. He was all decked out. Oh, yeah, he was fucking. He had the face paint. He had the face paint. He had. Do you? Let me ask you. A he had. He had the leather jacket. He had a brand new Sting AEW T-shirt. He had a bat. He had the whole thing. Let me tell you something before you ask your answer. Ask your question. He looked okay. great. He looked great. I- I, I saw he did look great. But here, here's my question: Like I think he maybe what, got a little tight, tighten, a little tighten it up there. What percentage of the AEW audience do you think is new to wrestling? That's my first question. And then, what percentage of that new to wrestling audience watching AEW and seeing Sting for the first time do you think even knows what the Crow is, or do you think there were people watching that? And they saw a guy in a trench coat with like clown face, like like mime face paint come out with a baseball bat, and we're just like, "What the fuck is happening?" No, no, there's a large segment of the wrestling wrestling community who are would see that look and say it's Sting, and not be as familiar with the Crow. I think, sure. but the yep. AEW audience is definitely a legacy. Tapping into the legacy of NWA and WCW big time. Yeah. And, you know, they referenced it. They even had Tony – he like – Sting came to said, said to Tony Schiavone, he's like, hey, can you do one of those – it's Sting! Like, you know, <laughs> calls that you would do on, on WCW Nitro because they're on TNT. They made a big deal for, for the first time. So they're, so they're leaning into the nostalgia. They're leaning into the legacy of it all. And you think they're building their fan base off those legacy fans, not necessarily like – you know, hey, never watched wrestling before? Here's a perfect place to start. I think it's both. They're de- they're doing a great job developing new stars, developing stars for the younger audience, but also big names Big names draw attention. What were you thinking? Ethan? What are you thinking? Yeah, so 
I agree that they're doing a great job bringing in new stars, but I don't think there are any new wrestling fans that are starting with AEW. Hmm. I think that if you are between the ages of 18 and 36, I'm not, you are, go on. <laughs> or whatever. I don't think that you're watching wrestling for the first time. Yeah. I think that you've probably been exposed to it at some point, and now you're deciding what show that you want to watch. I think you become introduced to wrestling as a child. AEW wasn't around as a child. I think that we all got sure. into it, you know, watching those superstars. And so I think that the my estimation, which has zero scientific basis, in fact, or reality, yeah. is probably that less than two percent of the AEW audience is, uh, you know, first time watchers. And so I think that the large majority of people know who Sting is. They enjoyed seeing him in there. And yeah. I think it's both excitement for those fans to have a big you know, icon on yep. their show. But I think also people feel great for Sting. There's something to be said about allowing icons like this to go out on their own terms. And Sting made it abundantly clear. He wanted one thing to do left in wrestling, and that was to wrestle The Undertaker. And the WWE didn't want that to happen. And in fact, Sting had even said, my last pitch to them was give me a cinematic match with The Undertaker, which would protect me from bumps. It would make The Undertaker look good. Let's yeah. have that. And WWE said, thanks, but no thanks. And so Sting said, cool. You know what? Maybe I'm not going to be taking big bumps. I'm not going to be wrestling, but I think I still have more to contribute. I'm not ready to write off in the sunset. And so instead, he wrote off to AEW. And great for him. Great yeah. for AEW. So, here's, so how about, what, what do you guys think? Sorry. sorry. What, what do you guys think? Because now I'm fascinated by this idea of like, where does the new wrestling fan come in? Do you think that's strictly WWE is pulling in the new wrestling fan? And how much of, of, of even their audience do you think is new? Like how much, how much of the overall wrestling audience is, is brand new? To wrestling, I guess is, is what I really wish I, we knew better. What do you guys think, though? So I'm sure there's demographic information out there that we could definitely just research and not. I won't do that. I won't on. do that. I only want. I only want wild speculation. Go on. <laughs> well, I will say is my anecdotal observations. Please. And <laughs> and I actually think that Ethan. I think the paradigm you're describing, where we become, in, we get into when you're young with the WWF, the WWE, yeah. and then you grow into it, I think is reflective of our experiences, but maybe a little old and out of touch, actually, um, because mm. I spend a lot of time on the internet and in uh, on the internet um, and in, you know, speaking back- of old and out of touch, <laughs> on the World Wide Web. Yeah, I spend a lot of time on the World Wide Web, on the interwebs, on the interwebs, on the web. But I, I spend a lot of time. Um, you know, I go to back in the back in the day when it was possible. Like I would go to comic conventions and appearances where there's wrestlers, and I would go to yeah. Ring of Honor shows, and I would go to indie shows. And there is a young fan base of non-traditional people that were traditionally not into wrestling in back in the '80s, or you know, who are right. young. And who were, came into it through New Japan, came into it through the Indies, mm, came through it true. from a very different way. And those are the people that are the first-time AEW fans. They're not the only AEW fans. A lot of them are definitely – they've leaned into the whole picking up the legacy of WCW like we've said. True. But there is – I think you'd be surprised of how many big-name people – uh, how many first-time fans there are. And it's not to say they wouldn't be excited about Sting. 
I mean, we'd be excited. We were excited when old wrestlers came back when we were kids. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is all in all the hype. What, what do you think, Abe? Where, where, where do you land on on uh, old old versus new fans? Yeah, so I guess I got two final thoughts on it. Is One, when we are talking about wrestling fans, like at least my mind initially went to wrestling yeah. fans in the United States. You know, mm-hmm. there are wrestling fans sure. in Japan, there are wrestling fans yeah. over the world. So how those people sure. get into it, you know, maybe a little bit outside of, of what I think. But I think that Sting, like the NWO, like Degeneration X, like maybe a handful of other wrestlers are kind of pop cultural icons in a way. So I think even if you were watching AEW for the first time, I think you would have somewhere along the line came across Sting, um, the wrestler in the face paint with the bat looking like that. I just I just can't imagine there's too many people who watched AEW and watched the Winner is Coming debut and was like, I don't know who that is. It just seems to be far-fetched and maybe it's not the right reality because I grew up watching wrestling, but it just feels like – even if you're not as a mega fan as I am or familiar with them as Sean is or someone like Dave that's kind of in the middle between the two of us, I think you have seen, known, or heard of Sting at some point. And you're like, ah, yeah, that's that guy that used to come down from the rafters and beat people with a bat. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. And Dave, you and I are like the only two people that related to The Crow, probably. I mean, still- I mean, us and- Scott, Hall, Scott Hall gave him the idea. They said, we need to repackage you. And he said, bro. Just be the crow. And, you know, Scott Hall is famous for literally going to his his pitch meeting with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon having, like, an army gimmick in mind for him because his dad apparently was in the military. And he's like, Vince, I'll do that. But how about this? And described Tony Montana to Vince McMahon, who had never seen Scarface, didn't tell him it was a movie. Right. And just describe Tony Montana, and they were like, "Love it, love it, do that." <laughs> and, thus, and thus, Razor Ramon was born. Scott Hall, great taste in movies, and a perfect like times to rip them off. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail us so much down that down that hole. I no. just I, I got very curious thinking about this thing thing had me because I watched it and it had me just going like, man, I wonder if there are people that just don't know what the fuck is happening right now and have no like why is this old man dressed up um he looked great i mean like the makeup his hair i don't know he, it was he looked good he looked tight and it's crazy it's i know he definitely doesn't have a wig because it's like you can see it's no it's imperfect um very imperfect but like it's dyed Sting, or whatever Sting, if you need some help on filling out that hairline give me a call bro yeah, why did you are you wearing a wig ethan Dude, is that no, is almost no, like, no, no. I think he's have... almost seventy. Like, like he looks great. His coverage he's is 61. amazing. 61? And it's it's great. Yeah. Well, the question is, will he be taking bumps? Will he be working matches? Um, and should he? Like, it doesn't. I would say for the should he, it doesn't feel safe for a seventy-one-year-old man to be taking bumps and getting thrown around off the top rope of anything. So, I, I mean. I, I'm 39, and I feel like if I took a bump, it would break every bone in my brittle body. <laughs> That's, yeah. so. I mean, if the yeah. WWE's doctors wouldn't clear him, and the WWE is evil, as everybody says, that you know, and they could cash in on him and those matches, uh, they would, you know, like if he's that broken, I don't yeah. think, you know, I don't. Yeah, listen, they let Shawn Michaels take bumps again, so <laughs> why not Sting? 
I mean, unless he's yeah. like a Mr. Glass level, uh, you know, old. Yeah, Ric Flair took bumps late into his 80s. Well, I can't stay. Ric Flair is not a human being. (laughs) Now, now speaking of AEW, speaking of big moments in AEW, uh, Kenny Omega won the heavyweight championship um, of AEW. He beat – it was like probably their most stacked dynamite ever. Um, He beat – uh, he beat fucking uh, John Moxley. John Moxley. Uh, I was gonna say Dean Ambrose, which is what, which is what Kenny Omega called John Moxley when he appeared on Impact Wrestling because he absconded with the AEW Championship with Don Callis, who runs um, who runs Impact Wrestling TNA, and was like, "Forget you, AEW. I'm going to Impact." And then he appeared on Impact. Um, and it's a good plot line. It's a good plot line. So, so clever, clever cross promotion, or uh, that, or will Impact slowly be absorbed into AEW over time? Look, I'm not sure, but this is exactly what both of these promotions needed. Okay, first of all, we talked a few weeks ago about why is Kenny Omega not in the spotlight anymore? Why is he not important? He was the number one wrestler in the world. Gets signed by AW, does nothing, and is very yeah, underwhelming. I would just like to say during that conversation, I believe all three of us were like, well, obviously they're building a slow build to like the Kenny Omega like championship reveal, which is exactly what they were doing. He's right. So credit we're, to us. We're great. That's all. Yeah, yeah we're great. Credit for us for, for seeing that yeah. on the one hand, but this is it's great to have him as the champion on the one hand, but two, <laughs> back on like episodes one through three of this podcast. We talked about how is AEW or any of these federations ever going to compete with the WWE? And our answer at that time was they're going to have to combine together or they're going to have to work together in some way where all of these different independent federations have their wrestlers going back and forth. And that is going to provide some meaningful competition for the WWE because now you got Impact, you got Ring of Honor, you have AEW, you have New Japan. Right now, Ring of Honor is the only one. I don't think it's been tied to the other ones yet. But if this is truly some sort of a handshake deal between these guys or if it's some sort of merger, it doesn't matter. It's incredibly powerful now to have all of these different shows be linked together with all these great superstars. I agree. That's why I brought it up because it it does seem like – I mean it's cool that there's like some cross-promotion going on. But it seems like I don't know what that really gets anyone. But if they're building towards like – becoming one then that makes a lot more sense to me you know so so tony khan did uh did a promo and tony khan has played it mostly behind the scenes like in terms of television um did a promo on impact where like he was kind of being like the big shot heel and said like maybe i'll just buy impact i don't think that's happening um sinclair media owns them um first of all so you know i think you know, it's that it'd be expensive to pull them away. I don't think that's what's happening. Um, but I agree with you. It's it's compelling storyline seeing the crossover, and it's definitely something yeah. that WWE doesn't do. The interesting thing, also to me though, is the fact that the natural fit would be Ring of Honor for this or New Japan, and it's interesting that it's that it is Impact because to me, Impact kind of cheapens their brand a little bit, like. Impact, Impact's biggest stars right now are 
you know, cat people who just were fired by the WWE. And besides yeah. that, it, like it, they, you know, like to, to anybody who isn't the most diehard re- wrestling fan, you don't know who they are. Um, so there already is a relationship between wrestlers or the top wrestlers in AEW and New Japan. So you have John Moxley who were signed to do matches there. You have Kenny Omega, you have Chris Jericho. And so they already have some sort of a crossover there. And I don't think it really makes sense from an American television audience for them to have gone to New Japan because New Japan doesn't have that big of a presence here on American television. They do on YouTube and the internet, but they don't really have a primetime network show like Impact and others. Well, they Two, lost. They were on Access for a while, but then they, when Access got bought by Sinclair, actually uh, Impact took that spot, interestingly enough. So, Yep, and two, Ring of Honor also doesn't have like a big weekly episodic show on like a major network. Impact really seemed to be yeah. the only one that makes sense because you're having a big audience that you can draw from. Um, and I forgot my other point. Well, I think actually <laughs> it's it's very funny because with 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 New Japan, I actually think it's so Kenny Omega hasn't been doing any appearances with New Japan since since AEW started off. He's really just been there. But as you said, John Moxley has had some matches. Um, they've allowed certain people to do it. Uh, Jericho, they, it's pretty big paydays for them, uh, for these big stars. But the word is basically that New Japan is like, fuck you to AEW, because basically when AEW formed, they kind of like announced it the day before one of the biggest new Japan shows, like they were announcing that they were leaving new Japan, starting their own federation. And they kind of spoiled the biggest show. Like it was like the day before and kind of just like said, fuck you and left. So new Japan really doesn't want to work with them. I don't know. That's some gossip, but you know, wrestling industry, it's some podcasts. It's always fun. That's (laughs) could be. So what's really interesting is that the WWE hasn't wanted to play with any other federation. It's like, these are our superstars. And what we're going to do is we're going to open up new federations in the UK, in India, and have NXT UK. Have all the crossovers. In fact, fact, when the WWE had the best possible scenario to go like, hey, there's a a guy across the street with the the equally popular uh, wrestling organization. We could do some cool cross promotion shit. We could send our guys over there, send their guys over here, really pump each other up. He went the complete opposite and was just like, I'm going to crush them and own them and buy them. And so, you know, which is why like my instinct is I see AEW and impact mixing and I go, Oh, someone's getting crushed. But you know, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, so what was so interesting about this is because WWE has taken that exact approach that you're talking about, Yeah. in an interview last week with Triple H, yeah. Triple H was then asked, would you be open to working with other federations? And he was like, yeah, you know, of course we'd be open to it. Maybe not for a short-term deal, but if it made sense long-term, yeah, now we do it. Why does this come out now? Now when you start seeing that they said, this is my ball, y'all can go home because we're the big publicly traded company. And now they see that these guys that are likely not competition to WWE in and of themselves, these guys combined into something could create some really interesting conversations and really interesting competition. So now Triple H is kind of like, yeah, of course we're open to it. And I wonder how many doors they had kind of slammed shut 
that yeah. there are yeah. conversations of happening between AEW and Impact. Well, as a wrestling yeah. fan, as a wrestling fan, I would say that I would be more interesting interested in a New Japan WWE crossover than a New Japan well, yeah. AEW crossover. <laughs> Because, like, I saw all of the AEW guys in New Japan. But sure. seeing New Japan crossover at WWE would be pretty insane. It would be awesome. Right. So that brings back Sean's point from earlier, which is, hey, who is AEW for? Is it for the new guys? Is it for the, for the fans? And Dave brings up the fact that it's the old WCW, NWA kind of throwback federation. And if you recall, WCW and the NWA had a longstanding relationship with New Japan wrestling. They did. They did a like, swap. You're right. Yep. Ric Flair, Sting would always go over there and fight the great Muda. Ultimate Dragon. Um, yeah, and have these epic matches. And even the big guys like Sting would not job to because he's going up against one of the best, but he would lose to Muda. And, you know, the other, you know, it was it was wonderful because you got to celebrate the different type of wrestlers in both federations. And this is kind of what's happening now is that same mentality of, look, we may be better together than each of us being separate, AEW, Impact, New Japan is starting to take this philosophy. And I think that that's something that if AEW wasn't really getting in the thorn of the side of WWE, this coalition is something that might. And as a wrestling fan, for me, well, Dave, I agree with you. I'd love to see wrestlers from the WWE fight people in New Japan. The reality is it's not happening and it hasn't happened. Yeah. So it is exciting for me to be like, okay, Impact is, is playing for – like there's the Impact. They have their wrestlers, AEW, New Japan. And to watch these guys cross over into different storylines, yeah. into different shows and follow that, like that gets me interested as a wrestling fan. Well, and, and it is it is an interesting um, – it, it would be an interesting pivot, right? If like these guys are like, hey, you know what? Instead of doing what they did and like eating each other to death – like let's just all build each other up like we can cross over and like your fans will watch our show and our fans will watch your show and like they can all build each other up to become a more formidable opponent to wwe uh which which would be again not not what has traditionally happened but you know this this could be the younger generation that is in charge of these organizations going you know what like it didn't make sense to gobble up all the competition into one spot. It, it, it ultimately just led to more problems. So let's just build each other up and have like nice, healthy competition. Yeah. And to build on that, we're in this, we're in this age and our, our last several episodes, we talked about, excuse me, um, how WWE, whether or not wrestlers should be unionized, meaning the way that business has been done traditionally, um, is, is, is one path. And we also have talked about how new wrestlers or independent wrestlers are starting to buy into their own intellectual property. They're starting to hold on to their rights. They're starting to create their personal brands. We could be in this situation where there is a potential shift or a potential alternative, meaning you got a choice now. You could go to the big brand of WWE, give up your IP, make a bunch of money, be on the big network, sell a bunch of T-shirts, but really be at the mercy of WWE's creative control and whether or not Vince McMahon is into you or not kind of affects your career. Or on the other hand, you can have a wildly successful career by being a free agent of sorts or ones that's with AEW for a couple of years, you can go over to Impact and go to New Japan. You can get a good amount of contract, but you can control your intellectual property in a way, have your own personal brands and Twitch and stuff that's outside of it. 
and kind of make a nice, healthy living there. And there's something to be said, I think, you know, with Cody Rhodes and others is to choose your own path in life is interesting. And so to have that alternative and to say, I don't need to be like it's WWE or bust is a cool thing for wrestlers these days. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because when what you describe has shown a correlation that I have seen in another business that we love. And it sounds yep. a lot like when the top creators from Marvel Comics said, we don't want our characters like Deadpool um, or uh, Cable being owned by Marvel. So we're going to go and start our own creator own business, our own comic company called Image Comics. It sounds it's it seems like a similar sort of independent revolution. Obviously, yeah, might be able to band together and defeat the beast. No, no one's going to defeat the beast, but compete with the beast. But compete with the beast. I mean, look, the Image Comics didn't take down Marvel, but like Image Comics has hung in there and presented itself as a formidable alternative to Marvel and DC, and 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 frankly, helped keep the door open for the IDWs and the Dark Horses and all the other smaller companies. But was to save that for another show. Well, well, you know, speaking of speaking of underdogs banding together to take on mighty empires. Yes. <laughs> yes. Segue into my favorite part. Tell me about the Maccabees. As you guys know... As this, uh, we are currently in the festival of Hanukkah. That's right. Uh, as this episode is released, um, you know, we'll be, it'll be the final days. And um, if you listen to it after Hanukkah, just consider this us encroaching on the Christmas season, like the Christmas season encroaches on the rest of the world. Uh, and we'll spread a little more Hanukkah cheer. Absolutely <laughs> said by a podcast hosted by three Jews. Yeah, yeah. three Jews. Three Jews. Yeah. Three of us. Just consider this episode the Hanukkah Havoc episode of uh, yeah. Wrestling with That's Friends. Than it. It. This is the uh, JWO with a Jew World Order. Uh, <laughs> don't don't get the alt right started. <laughs> yeah, really. Believe me. They already coined that phrase. They just called it the New World Order. Yeah, you didn't make that up. <laughs> George Soros and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Hanukkah, as we yes. we're all. Um, Ethan, did you see on Instagram our favorite wrestling vampire Gangrel was lighting the menorah and wishing his followers a happy Hanukkah? Nice. Oh yeah. I, I Right. I had no idea the vampire was a fellow Jew. All this time I thought it was Chalice was full of blood, but apparently it's been full of Manish Jeffets. <laughs> yes. So I, I don't know if Gangrel is a Jew. I have to check that genealogy out. I don't know. Maybe he's just like, you know, at a girlfriend's house is Jewish. Fetishizing? No, maybe he oh. was just celebrating it. I mean, and wishing people a happy Hanukkah. Like, just like, yeah, yeah, I celebrate Christmas. My dad's not Jewish, so we have like a Christmas tree. I have a Christmas tree. I do not have Where's a Christmas tree. tree. There's literally a Christmas tree in our house. Oh, that's cool. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, with a Jewish star on top. Hold on. Oh, Can we nice. see it? Hold on. Yeah, let's, let's take a look. Let's take a little look at the Christmas tree. Oh, there it oh, is. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Nice. Exactly. You're, you're pluralistic, just like Gangrel. Yep, I'm pluralistic, just like my man Gangrel, the vampire wrestler. That's yeah. true. Shout out Gangrel. Met him at New York Comic Con. Recorded a message for Ethan. Super nice guy. Yeah, he did. That was awesome. <laughs> also, fun fact, because this is Wrestling with Friends. So we talk to our guests all the time about who their favorite wrestlers were growing up, like 
what was their gimmick growing up. Right. And I, of course, had mine, but Dave and I used to wrestle in the garage all the time. Obviously. So the, the garage, so that you guys can picture it, was like underwear, uh, if I recall. Well, sometimes. Sometimes if we were feeling bashful. Right. (laughs) So the garage was like a den. All right. You had like some carpet on the floor. You had like this weird wooden paneling on the walls. It was very Uh, 80s. It was very 80s. Didn't you have green carpeting, that garage? Maybe at some point. Something like like that. Didn't start. Anyway, it was... It, it, it was a converted garage. It was like air conditioned. And yeah, the door didn't lift. Like, it was like a full on room. Yeah. Yes, this room. was like a 1970s basement apartment. It was like the best garage. way that I can describe it in a garage. Yeah. So, what we would do is Dave had this big, uh, like, Accurate. Uh, 1970s couch. We would move the couch to the side. We would take the mattress from his the couch bedroom. This was 1990s. Like, the couch was not for, with, the house, okay. with the house. Yeah, the couch was 90s. It was just shitty. Yep, we would take another mattress from like Perry's room, um, put them on the floor, and then we would we would wrestle. Now Dave would sometimes usually be one of his favorite wrestlers at the time, Mankind, right. and I. I had the build. I had the build, and you know I like, <laughs> I had like yeah. the disheveledness. It was easy to pull that off, you know. Yeah, yeah you just have, have Mister Sacco's just I had, ready. I had socks. I had hair. I had uh, holes in my hair and in my psyche. Yes. <laughs> and I would want to be gangrel. So yeah. I got like a pirate shirt with the top buttons unbuttoned. We would go to Publix and get a three wow. liter bottle of Tahitian treat Tahitian strawberry treat, baby. soda. Oh, yeah. I would fill it with a wine glass. Oh, so good. And, it was not a wine glass. The, it was not a wine glass. It would be my mother's like – she didn't even use it for drinks because it was so large and decorative. Like, <laughs> but it was like it was like aqua blue, like the Miami Dolphins blue clear martini cup with dolphins in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was not a goblet or a chalice or a wine glass, just to filled with red soda, just to really create the image. I didn't right. play any wrestler. I wasn't there doing this at this time. Well, I was were- off to. I was doing way cooler shit. I was in, um, I was uh, in um, the musical My Favorite Year. I worked on the musical uh, Once Upon a Mattress. Our uh, Town, you did. I was in the play Our Town. You were great in that. Yeah. I uh, oh, welcome good. to the Robins Corners. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we try to wrestle with you. No, 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 guys, no, 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 no. I had a brand and a face to protect, you know? I couldn't – you can't damage the merchandise. You've done I was ex- What a job. Very successful uh, high school actor. <laughs> what a job you've done keeping your face intact. <laughs> you've done a great job. It's all there. Uh, well, well – It's sliding down my skull now. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We would have we would have killed you. We would have killed you. <laughs> yeah, you know, like seven foot tall and you each weighed like 232 pounds and i wasn't trying to get any of that no, we, would have, we would have killed you no, uh, no, we were in the pool and then you did the the spider monkey as we talked about oh yeah because for, in the uh, pool I, I had i had the benefit of uh the equalizer it's the great equalizer the pool exactly. <laughs> that's right i could move or i could dart around as i was meant to so so speaking of which of of like 
Gangrel being Jewish. What? Where's the transition there? <laughs> previously, previously, before that, um, as we were discussing Gangrel, uh, is he Jewish? Um, like the good Jewish boys we are, and in the spirit of the holiday, um, and because there are a surprising amount of Jews in the wrestling industry, um, I figured I was going to play a little game with you guys where I'm going to I'm going to describe one Jew for each night of Hanukkah. I like this. Okay. Eight wrestling Jews. Okay. And you guys can see if you can name that Jew. Oh, I love this. So you're going to describe a wrestler who is Jewish and we have to dis- and we have to name the wrestler based on your like semi vague description. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty basic description. It really like if you know anything you should get them all, but we'll see which one of you calls about first. Okay. Do we buzz or do we just yell, just yell the name? Just yell. Just yell. Okay. Just yell. Just okay. Okay, right. Bill Goldberg. <laughs> so it is eight Jews for Hanukkah. Hanukkah, Hanukkah, Yontefashener, Alustiger, Freilecher, Niton, Hazener, Alle Nacht in Bredel spielen mir. Starting with number one, this WWE Hall of Famer was a women's champion in both the WWF and WCW, where she wrestled under two different, very different names in both federations. Medusa. That is correct. (laughs) Also known as Alundra Blaze. She's Jewish. She's a Jew. She's a Jew. Just just like a good Jew, didn't she steal the title belt from WWE and drop it in the garbage can when appearing on WCW? You're offensive even to me. <laughs> All right. Number two. This trailblazing yes. entertainer was famously the intergender wrestling champion of the world and had a legendary feud with Jerry the King Lawler. The intergender wrestling champion of the world. A trailblazing entertainer. Uh, uh, the, his life story was immortalized in a, in, a, in a movie. The Man on the Moon. Yes, that is a movie. That was the movie. Jim Carrey. That is the actor who portrayed him. Sean should know this. <laughs> Sean should have known this so long ago. Andy Cowell. It's Andy Kaufman. Yeah, like that was one I was giving. I was that was for you that one, Sean. All right, ha! This former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and WWE Universal Champion is known for his legendary long winning streak and his massive trapezius. Bill Goldberg. Yeah, trapezius muscles. I was okay. Yep. Um, I didn't know if we can scream it out during the question. So, like Jeopardy, I was waiting to the end on that no, one. But I now think I this is not it. Alex Trebek rules. Uh, I mean, I wish we had the technology. Rest in peace, by the you way. You know what? Wow. Scream it out when you know it. Scream it out when you know it. I don't. Okay, it's Bill Goldberg. And then I'll and then I'll finish it. No, let me finish it, assholes. <laughs> this man of one thousand holds and Kurt Pertinenko. Yes. He is a current producer for AEW, and he held the honor of being named the number one wrestler in Pro Wrestling Illustrated's yearly PWO, PWI 500 in 1997. It is, as Ethan said, Bing! Who is Dean Malenko? Boom. Boom. All right. Maybe you should just do the beep thing, and then I'll give it to you after the question. Okay. Okay. 
This young upstart has captivated the industry in his brief time in the spotlight at AEW. He's from Long Island and rocks a mean Burberry scarf. Ethan. Uh, Who is MJF? Yes. You don't have to. That guy's the best. You don't have to say who is. This isn't Jeopardy. (laughs) Sorry. I was participating. All right. We're at the sixth night of Hanukkah. And this former best friend of CM Punk and Chicago native is currently affiliated with the Dark Order in AEW, but he's not in it. Ethan. Bing, who is Colt Cabana? Colt Cabana! Did you? Oh, yeah. Wow, I can't believe all these guys are one of us. Part of the tribe. For someone that's very disconnected to the Jewish culture, in other words, me, I'm surprised I know all these answers. Well, you know a lot about wrestling, and you know what? I think you, we all have an acute Judar, no matter what. It's true. <laughs> I got drunk, and I'm pretty stoned, so. <laughs> all right. I like I like watching Ethan answer the questions. Listeners, <laughs> listeners of our show might recognize this person, uh, this Peabody Peabody, Massachusetts, na- Massachusetts native, <laughs> taught gym class to Jimmy Scanlon and went by one royally pierced name in the WWF. He's now the head trainer in the WWE Performance Center. Ethan. Ethan was buzzing. Uh, oh, no, Sean. Go for it. Prince buzzer. Albert. Prince Scratching Albert. Prince Albert. I remember, I remember this from the episode that happened in our lives. There you go. Peabody. He's from Peabody. <laughs> Also included uh, Tensai. He, uh, yeah, he, went, he he had a stint where he was Japanese, uh, but he's a Jew. He went to like Jew camp, like Camp Tevia, <laughs> as an athlete. Wow. Yeah, Camp Tevia. <laughs> All right, now it's the eighth Jew. This is the best night, by the way. The eighth night is my favorite night of Hanukkah because in my family, the eighth night is when I always got the biggest present. Typically, like what, like that was like the blowout present. Like first night, you always get something chintzy. Second night, like it builds up, and then by the eighth night, they're like Nintendo or like you know, fucking Castle Grayskull or like I'm trying to think oh, like what are the other like big presents I got. But like there were some like huge were cool. What yeah, mine did like on the first night of Hanukkah, I would get like part of a handlebar. On the second night, I would get a wheel. On the third night, I would get the chain. Wait, so your parents brought you one gift, and then they broke that gift into eight pieces and made you. <laughs> they only gave you eight parts of a bike. What did you do for the rest of it? Yeah, there's more than eight parts of a bicycle. They like broke it down into like eight different sections, so I couldn't use it for eight days. It was it was eight pieces of a bike over six consecutive Hanukkahs, and then eventually. <laughs> He, he was able to build the bike. That's amazing. <laughs> my, my family, it usually like the gifts petered out by like the fourth night we were done. But like mm. they would give it a lot up front. They would do a good when, when they cared. They did a good job. All right. So yeah. now, now that we've shared our Hanukkah, uh, Michigas, <laughs> the eighth Jew, this extreme advocate has been dangerously forming alliances for decades. He's the best manager not named Bobby Heenan ever and an all-time great promo cutter. Ethan, who is it? Who is either Paul Heyman or otherwise known as Paul E. Dangerously. That's right, yeah. baby. That's right. I knew that one too, but I like watching Ethan answer. 
<laughs> so, oh, Yay. all right. So Ethan won. Name that Jew for Hanukkah. Name a Jew, name those eight Jews. Suck it. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Also, shout outs and happy Hanukkahs to other wrestling Jews, such as Raven. Yes. Real name Scott Levy. I mean, <laughs> Barry Horowitz, perhaps the definitive jobber, in my opinion. Yep. Um, Noam Dar, who grew up in Scotland but was born in Israel. He's part of Ooh, an Israeli Scottish Jew. Yeah, that's pretty rare. You don't see one of those every day. Who wrestles? I'm actually Scottish Jewish. My you, father's Scottish. You are Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and WWE cruiserweight champion and multiple time 24-7 champion, Drew Gulak, Jews all. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um now, man, we really are in charge of the entertainment industry. No, no, we just make up a very small part of the wrestling industry. <laughs> okay, go on. So, uh, is- oh, and you're missing, you're missing one. You're missing our boy from Instagram. Who? Virgil. Oh, Virgil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And Virgil, it turns out the million dollar man, uh, the million dollar man's uh, uh, body famous. Art. Bodyguard and uh, and uh, ballet, ballet. Yeah. Uh, Virgil, the great Virgil. He is uh, he celebrates Hanukkah. He, he's right. down, you know he celebrates, down he celebrates our podcast on Instagram. I always say this thing's my favorite wrestler of all time, and you know what? Taking it back, Virgil, yeah. you're the man. Thanks yeah. for liking, commenting on our posts every yeah. once in a while. And honestly, saying step it up, man. Just leave a couple of comments, and you can have Ethan no, back. No, really, really, like, yes, Sting. A piece of my love. <laughs> step it up, Sting. <laughs> no, but, step like, really, we did a happy Hanukkah message, and we put highlighted a lot of, of our uh, Jew brethren uh, wrestlers, and uh, Virgil commented, he's a real Virgil commented, dude, I'm Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, he's Jewish as fuck in my book. I love it. Um, some wrestlers who are not Jewish. Um, yeah, who's not Jewish? I like, feel like that's like a longer list. The Undertaker. Uh, <laughs> All of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hulk Hogan. Alex uh, Wright. Alex Wright. Not <laughs> Eric. <laughs> no, so actually, though, if you do like a if you do a Google search of Jewish wrestlers, you'll get some haphazard uh, results like DDP, uh, whose real name is Paige Joseph Falkenberg. So an interview with him, he says, nope, despite my last name ending being Falkenberg, not a Jew. Macho man Randy Savage will come up because his mother was Jewish. So. He might be able to make a minion, but he was raised a Roman Catholic, not a Jew. And then another not a Jew, Glenn Jacobs. I think I went to summer camp with a Glenn Jacobs. He's the current mayor of Knoxville. He's Kane, not a Jew, not a Jew. Jew. But this is a fascinating one for me because on Bunny Ears, I saw your interview with Paul Heyman where he was talking about several of the Jews who are in the wrestling industry. And he mentioned Alexa Bliss, a.k.a. Yeah. Lexi Kaufman, and yeah. said Lexi Kaufman, uh, you know, obviously. And then I saw an interview with Lexi Bliss where she's like, no, a lot of people think my na- I'm Jewish because my name is Lexi Kaufman, but I'm not. So 
I don't know. I don't know where where to end up on that one. Yeah, I believe Paul Heyman because he's Jewish. Was Paul Heyman speculating? Yeah, it sounds like Paul Heyman was speculating, and she was. Look, he's an advocate. Maybe she wants to like do a little Kathy Lee Epstein kind of drop the Epstein, just do Kathy Lee Gifford, like a little uh, little had. But I mean, no one didn't know Kathy Lee Gifford wasn't Jewish. Hide, hide the Jew. Just sweep the Jew. Just be Alexa Bliss. Throw the Jew down the well. Throw oh, the no. Jew down the well. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't get out of the episode. The other comment I made gets cut out of the episode. It's a Borat. It's a Borat song, which was written and created and performed by a Jewish man. So yes. it's all fair game. I'm of just Israeli, celebrating our of Israeli descent, much like Noam Dar. Yeah. Now, now that's all fun, you know. Those Sasha Baron Cohen movies are great fun. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, we've also had some recent passings in the world of wrestling. Um, oh, and, and it's a couple of dudes who are both icons in their own ways. Um, the first one, I think, who looms really large in the legacy of wrestling. Um, yeah, um, you know, to us viewers in the 80s and the 90s, he's fondly credited as being the first intercontinental champion. He's remembered late in his career for portraying one of Mr. McMahon's comedic stooges during the Attitude Era, but his contributions backstage were where his legacy really, really was made. Um, He was called the creative genius and arguably the most influential producer in wrestling history in Newsweek's uh, obituary of him. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson passed. Um, He was known as a brilliant finish finish man responsible for many of the legendary endings to our favorite WWE matches, um, like ending of the Iron Man match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12, where uh, they, uh, they, they had each other in the hole. This time ran out. There was no, nobody had secured a pinfall time ran out, went to sudden death. Shawn Michaels won. It was, it was awesome. It was the crowd crowd go banana as Pat Patterson was known for saying <laughs> backstage because he was from Montreal or Quebec. He was a Quebecois. Quebec. Yeah, he's Quebec, Quebec, Quebecois. Quebecois. He is very <laughs> Um, You know, and um, speaking of HBK, um, so Pat Patterson is the person who suggested Sean stop using a modified suplex as his finishing move. And instead, really? instead do the kick, do the kick. Is <laughs> um, which is like gave us one of the most iconic finishers there. Sweet is. Chin music. Yeah, yeah. Do the kick. Uh, that's awesome. um, he's the person who told Vince McMahon about a young prospect named Dwayne Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. You know that worked out pretty good. Um, so he's like he's like the guy behind the guy. Guy behind the guy. He's like the he's like this he's like this Stan Lee of of the wrestling. Oh, world. I, I mean, like the Jack Kirby of the wrestling world. I mean, he's an integral contributor to the legacy of the wrestling that we grew up enjoying in the world that we knew from WWE for sure. Um, he was the referee for the first WrestleMania main event. Um, yeah, which was a tag team with Mr. T in it, Hulk Hogan. Like, there are a lot of moving parts in that. Vince McMahon's like, Pat, this needs to go right. Like, I'm sending out you out, you referee that shit. Um, you know, and he created the Royal Rumble. Like, he's the guy who created the Royal Rumble, the best gimmick match there is, like, the most beloved match and event. Yeah. The, the Royal Rumble, like, 
there's nobody there's nobody besides Vince McMahon, I think, who had a bigger it's role. The Royal Rumble. I mean, just a huge legacy, a huge legacy. It's the Royal Rumble. Say no more. The guy created the Royal Rumble. Put that <laughs> on his tombstone. Um, Pat Patterson created the fucking Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble, baby. You're welcome. Don't stand on the tombstone for too long. There's a lot of people who want to see him. That's what it all should be written on there. And then on the back, they should have like beloved father, whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, he was actually one of the first openly homosexual people working um, in WWE also, which is like remarkable in its own right. Um, yep. You know, in an industry where like, I mean, it's 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 inconsequential really when we're talking about what his life is, but like notable in his, in like what he did. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially so. for that industry in the time that he rose to the top of the the the, the ranks too yeah, not yeah not yeah. in a historically accepting you know progressive no. uh uh no. industry um but then we then we had another tragic loss yeah. this one hurt me this one hurt me because we just talked about this well yeah he was an icon in wrestling but also like more so known in the public consciousness for his work in yep. film um yep. Yeah, we're talking, of course, about Tiny Lister, Tony Tiny Lister, yeah. Uh, yeah. known in wrestling as Zeus, the Mighty Zeus. Known- the Mighty Zeus <laughs> from No Holds Barred. He, that's where he first appeared. He appeared opposite Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred, a great Z- film. Yeah, Z shaved into the side of his head. Yep, and he was like this cross-eyed, uh, uh, um, sort of monosyllabic, uh, monster. like unstoppable monster. Yeah. <laughs> And then they crossed and then him that, over. They crossed him over. Yeah, he was like the villain in the movie, and then he showed up at wrestling, and he kicked Hulk Hogan's ass the first oh. time he showed up, and it was like a big deal because yeah. he was because he was like Hulk Hogan doesn't get his ass kicked in wrestling, and then this guy showed up. I mean, it, I, I remember that being like a major part of like my forming into like being a, a huge wrestling fan. It was all of that shit happening and being like, oh, whoa, this is crazy. Like totally marking out, yeah, yeah I love yeah. that guy. And then fucking, he's it in with Friday. Well, well, before we get to Friday, which is a whole other thing. I mean, like whole other legacy. He teamed with the Macho Man um, against yeah. Hogan and Brutus to main event SummerSlam. That's right, and That's like right. three like pay per views. So like, I mean, yeah, nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine, like one of those ninety ninety one, like one of those. This is early in our in our wrestling fandom, where boom, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, he got a huge push, and he was like a he was he was immediately like a major antagonist to like all of the heroes of the time, and like that cemented this guy. And then I remember it was like it took me, I think, two viewings of Friday to realize that like that was Zeus, and be uh, like, oh wait, what? This guy's in this. This is awesome. Oh, uh, second I saw him, second I saw him at that at that ice cream. The ice cream truck. I was like, it's Zeus. It's Zeus. Great. And I forgot he was in Fifth Element. Yeah, he was the president in the Fifth Element. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and and in the Dark Knight, he was the prisoner on the tram that was like, don't blow up the other tram. And like, that seems a little heavy handed, but like, he had really like a softness and a pathos to it that like, yeah. I think made it work. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, Debo and Friday, the Friday series, legendary, iconic role. And, yep. and man, uh, fuck, fuck coronavirus, huh? Yeah, it's COVID nineteen, man. COVID nineteen took out fuck took out a god. 
Well, hey, let's drink to those guys because they'll both be missed. They are both huge contributors to uh, to our our enjoyment of wrestling. Yeah. And if you're at home, if you're driving to work, take a drink of something. Drink. Hopefully alcohol. It's open. Yeah, not in that while you drive. I probably can't legally tell you to drink while you drive. Stop being a wuss. All right. Open hey. the glove box, pull out the whiskey bottle, have a shot of whiskey while you drive. Just put it in your coffee. Cover- yeah, like a man. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a woman who's got an alcohol problem. Either way, <laughs> you're both alcoholics. Congratulations. <laughs> As the attorney on this podcast, I advise you, please don't drink while driving. Yeah, I would advise you that as well. Um, I am not an attorney, so I advise you to do whatever the fuck you want. Stay cool, kids. Dave, what's the shirt of the week this week? Well, you know, we've had some Hanukkah Havoc a lot in this episode, so I'm going to do a dramatic reveal right now. Yeah. Okay. Ah, nice. There he is. It's the man. There he is. It's Goldberg. Ethan, that's good. You look yeah. like him. Thank you. Good impression. Nice. Oh, yes. ah. Yeah, I mean, the most famous, most famous wrestler of Jewish descent of all time. Jewish descent of all time. Legit yep. Jew. Legit. Yep. Legit Jew. Through and through. Kept the Goldberg in his name and everything. They were like, what cool, what kind of cool, what do you want to be like? The Wrecker or like the Smasher or like the Unstoppable Beast? He's like, oh, I would like to be Bill Goldberg, please. <laughs> And they were like, I mean, that's not very tough. And he's like, hold on. And then he flexed and they were like, all right, Bill Goldberg, it is right this way, sir. Literally, <laughs> literally, I was on the phone with Ethan watching some WCW pay-per-view and Mongo McMichaels was having a feud with Goldberg. And I had never seen Goldberg before. And Ethan says, you got to see this guy. You got to see this guy. He's like, he's like, oh, my God. Bill Goldberg. I'm like, Bill Goldberg is his name? Like, I am not impressed. Um, And then he comes out, and I'm like, holy shit. Why is that guy called Bill Goldberg? He should call himself Skullhead. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Skullhead. Skull Ripper. Like, yeah. No, but... but Bill Goldberg Goldberg. as fuck. Represent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember... The first time I saw him, I think his first match was on like Saturday night main event, like the the B show for WCW. And it was Hugh Morris. So usually it was like a star versus a jobber. So it's Hugh Morris versus Bill Goldberg. And I'm watching this Bill Goldberg guy come out and I'm like, man, that sucks that this guy's a jobber because he's got like a great look to him and he takes care of business and beats Hugh Morris. It was like a big surprise. And that's where it all began. They did a fantastic job building Bill Goldberg up through that streak because he wasn't introduced like weeks and weeks and months in advance of this big guy coming. It was just like a jobber under the radar. Yeah. And then he was fucking giant. (laughs) Right. Uh, Whatever that streak was, like if it was 107, whatever, I think like 60 of those wins were against Hugh Morris, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It was always Hugh Morris. Um, well, uh, all right. Well, listen. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go to uh, social media, and you're gonna write out to us what your favorite Jewish wrestler is. Who's your favorite Jewish wrestler, and why? And uh, and then we'll uh, Dave is going to go through all of the, the the tweets that come into Ethan. Where where can people find us on social media? 
Yeah, thanks. That was a smooth segue. Yeah. Um, you could find us on Instagram by searching for Wrestling with Friends, yeah. at Twitter at WWF Podcast, or you can join in on the discussion by joining the Wrestling with Friends Facebook group. Yep, and 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 so we're gonna send your answers in for your favorite uh, uh, Jewish wrestler and why, and then uh, Dave's gonna read uh, the best answers on the next show that we do. So that's a fun thing that we all planned before the show, and now I'm executing as was part of the previous discussion. I'm not uh, sure. And I'm, Dave, not, I'm not sure I'm Dave, comfortable if, with any of this. If people can't find the wrestling threads or the or the social medias, but they still want to submit their answer, uh, what's your social media uh, handle? First and foremost, first and foremost, you should go to LinkedIn and go find Ethan Wall. <laughs> um, huge on LinkedIn. I am big on LinkedIn right now. I checked earlier today. I have two hundred and forty-seven unresponded to requests <laughs> with me on LinkedIn. Like, just I haven't had enough time. Go ahead and send me a request. LinkedIn, but just LinkedIn might, flex might take a little while. <laughs> LinkedIn, like, LinkedIn, yeah. So, um, yeah, but on. on so, uh, where can people find you on the internet? If you want to Twitter at me, I'm at Dave Kush, D-A-V-E-K-U-S-H. And if you want to get at me on Instagram, it's Dave.Kush. Spelt the same way, but with a period in the middle, D-A-V-E period K-U-S-H. Oh. Yep. Yep. And I am on Twitter at Sean Wright, uh, but do not submit any of your submissions to me. They will not be read uh, there's plenty of other proper channels to do that. You, what you can send you to me, though, how to read. I don't know how to read. So what you can send to me is uh, any Dude. kind of like phonics or hooked on phonics, like pages or anything that you think might help my literacy. That would be really awesome if you could do that. And yeah. Dave, if you could do me a favor and take us the fuck out of here with a delightful rendition of the Wrestling With Friends theme song. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three... And we're wrestling, yeah! Wrestling with friends! Who we wrestling with? Wrestling friends! Am I drinking alone? Wrestling with friends tonight? No, what am I doing? Wrestling with friends! Yeah! Yeah! What a show, what a time. You're all very lucky. I hope that you don't feel like we've stolen this hour and 10 minutes from your life, but that we've given you an hour and 10 minutes of stuff to think about. This podcast is a Mobius strip nightmare, and I love it. Wear a hat.